Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Blue Stable, the Blue Stable podcast, the official Colts podcast of Fan Sided. Huge shout out to Fan Sided. Uh, thank you for having us. I got to introduce my guys. We made the announcement earlier today. Rashad McGinnis is joining us out of Louisiana. Introduce yourself, Rashad. Rashad McGinnis. Uh, y'all can follow me on Twitter. King of Colts is the name of just extremely humble and honored to be here, man, especially to catch the fan side. And Michael, you're going to have to pay me for this. I'm hoping you know that. I'll send you an invoice later. <laughs> right, right, right. I think I got to send you one for something else as well. But we'll <laughs> talk about that after the show. Of course, as always, we got to introduce Destin Adams. Welcome to Blue Stable, Destin. Hey, I'm super excited to be back. Super excited to have one name officially we're, we're, we're really hoping that we're done with any change. I mean, the fan-sided partnership came to us, and we're super excited to have have this going. So, like, like Michael said, super thankful to fan-sided. And let's just get talking about Colts, guys. And, yes, of course, we said it on the last show, guys. We are going to have a very special guest, and, boy, is that guest special. He keeps on breaking down barriers uh, in our lives. He was our first guest on the show before us, and now he's our first guest on this new fan-sided roller coaster. So introducing the one and only the great one from Indie Star, Jim Aiello. And that is, your your introduction powers are insanely good. <laughs> like, I got my own podcast where I got to do the intros, and you just put me to shame, man. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> I'm proud to be breaking barriers on this podcast. <laughs> I got to give hype for you, Jim. I got to get hype for you, man. You are uh, you're a celebrity in our lives, man, okay? <laughs> that is what you are. But guys, we have an amazing show in store for you today. It is draft week. All of us have done a mock draft of our predictions of what has gone on. Uh, trades happened. Uh, we lost out on some guys. Realistic stuff that will go on in the war room and hey, Jim Aiello wants to start us off. So, Jim, take us on the ride, buddy. So, okay. As you guys know, Chris Ballard loves his picks. He's only got six of them. Uh, I'm going to try to give you guys kind of my, my perspective going into the draft. So, I, uh, I wanted to trade back. I wanted to trade back, and I was trying to be realistic about it. So, what I would do on this, on this simulator was I was only going to negotiate with the team that offered up to me. 
I wasn't going to go to try to find a good team that said, you know, whatever. I, somebody made an offer to me that I'm just going to do it. So Tampa Bay uh, came to me with an offer uh, with a 32nd pick in the first round offered as well as part of the, the third round pick, which I was very excited was part of the deal because I wanted to get that third round pick back. As everybody knows, the third round pick was part of the Carson Wentz trade. Um, so I took it. I, it was a third round pick. I think there was a little bit more to it. I ended up getting oh a four and a seven as well. If you look at the math, if you use the Jimmy Johnson chart, it's about fair. I think that I think it came out a little bit. I think I came out a little bit ahead in that. Um, so I traded down from 21 to 32. And then I'll be honest with you guys. I traded back again. I traded back again. Um, I couldn't help myself. I love trading back. I love having more picks. Uh, I feel like, again, we heard Chris Ballard earlier this week say that's how you kind of mitigate mistakes. And I think that, that, again, I'll I'll go a little faster as I get to the picks, but I wanted to kind of give you guys my perspective on this. I think the tackle class is deep. I think the edge class is pretty deep. I don't think there's superstar edge players. I think there are guys that could evolve into that, but maybe not, you know, superstar edge guys right away. So I figured those are my two needs. They're deep. I'm going to move back, get as many picks as I can, and and take the best guy on the board when I trade back again. So I traded back to 40 with Denver. um, And the best tackle on the board uh, was Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame. So that's who I went with at number 40. Uh, and I feel pretty good about it. I like Eichenberg. I don't think he's, again, not a guy that I think it has a huge amount of upside, but he's a guy that I feel really good about kind of plugging and playing right next to Quentin Nelson at left guard. I think he can play left tackle. I think he can stick there. Obviously, Quentin, they come from the same place. They've been taught the same way at Notre Dame. So, you know, they're going to know him really, really well. So I was very happy at the land Eichenberg at 40. Not my favorite tackle in the class, but he was the one who was there. So I took it. So, Jim, I know you're our guest. And I shouldn't say anything negative about a pick you did, <laughs> but we follow each other on Twitter. Even though you have the check mark, I feel like we're we're close enough that I can say yeah. this. Be honest, um, be brutally honest. I'm not a I'm not a Liam Eikenberg guy. Um, okay. I, I have a late second round grade on him. Um, I think the class. I just don't think he offers much athletically um, as a tackle, and I just don't think that's a guy that. Maybe I'm just speaking out of my own wants. Um, I would just prefer a more athletic tackle. Um, I'm not saying that I couldn't see it happening. Um, I think he's a guy that can come in and start day one, just like a lot of these tackles in this class. Um, If there weren't so many freak athletes at tackle in this class, maybe I'd be bigger on Eichenberg. Um, But that's where I stand on Liam Eichenberg. I'll say this. I think you, again, you might be, you might have the, 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 the right instinct on that. Chris Bauer generally likes the bigger kind of freakier, more athletic guys. And so that and he doesn't really fit that. I'll be honest. That's not necessarily a Ballard pick. I will say I was getting stoked that uh, Sam Cosme was dropping, uh, and then he got picked at thirty-six. So that was my guy. <laughs> that was the one I wanted. Uh, after that, there wasn't. Um, just to give you guys some perspective, the tackles taken uh, in this draft were at forty-eight. Were uh, Dylan Redunds, uh, but for the at forty-eight, and Brady Christian said at fifty-three, Mayfield at fifty-five. So those were the guys. Um, I like, I like Eichenberg more than I, Christensen is tough. I like Christensen a lot too. Uh, but I, I ended up going with Eichenberg. Um, so yeah, anyway, that was the one I decided to go with. And at 54, I, um, I need to get the edge rusher. And again, this was me just trying to take the, uh, best pass rusher available at this point. And that was Greg Rousseau from, from, um, from Miami. Now I know there are some questions about him given the fact that he, um, that he opted out. And that's, that's kind of a big issue, but he had some production at Miami that I really, really liked. And that was a guy that I felt like, again, I just, I think the edge class is deep and talented, but that was kind of one of those things where I wanted to make sure um, I got an edge guy that I thought had high upside. It's kind of a, I mean, big, big guy. Um, 
athletically gifted. I just kind of said, I kind of like the idea of even and those guys, Baker getting those guys hands on him. Um, so, all right. Bad reviews, good reviews of Russo. What, what do we get? What are we hearing here now? I'm not mad at Russo at 54, you know, where you picked him at, uh, especially since he's, he's extremely raw. You know, he's only played uh, pass rusher for a couple of years. You know, he came in, uh, I believe he played wide receiver safety uh, to my knowledge. So, I think I think that's a good value pick. I, I think I don't think you reached at all. I think 54 is is around the landing spot for Gregory Russo, or maybe even sooner. Who knows if somebody falls in love with him? But I, I think you can get good value out that and Baker I have a ball of clay that he can mold. You know. Yeah, I think I. I oh man, here's the thing, Jim. I was I was okay with Russo at first, but I just I've been turned. He was off. more. You were more than okay. You you yeah. were team Russo okay, at twenty one. More than okay. I I would mention him early on in the free agency stuff. I would mention him as the main guys we could take uh, to be the second fiddle to a potential Romeo Aquara. Obviously, that was a big flop. So, yeah, I I nah. Ballard would like his length for sure. Ballard yes. would like his measurements. Um, his testing was pretty poor. Now people can have arguments on that. Um, it could have been that he didn't play for a year. Um, there was some comments about how he kind of put on some weight a little bit as well. Um, so there's a lot of things that could go into this year of these pro days, how they were set up. Um, he didn't test well athletically. Um, I've heard some people think he may slide into the interior, um, but he has talent. I mean, he put up crazy stats. Um, two years ago at Miami for a reason. Um, there's a reason he opted out because he knew he wasn't going to match that production. I mean, I don't know if anybody could have did what he did two years in a row. Um, but at 54, I do not think that's bad value at all. That's kind of how I felt about it was just the value of where he was going. I, I know, I guess the testing does give me some, some pause, but um, the traits in terms of just kind of where he is and like you said, the length is something that I know the Colts will really like. So that was where I went. And I hope you guys, um, are happy with the next pick. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to kind of defer to uh, our guy, Zach Hicks um, on this one, because he was the one who kind of talked me, talked this guy up. I liked him a lot and I like doubling down at the edge. I've been a fan of this with this class. Again, not knowing what the production is, is going to be um, for, for some of these guys. So at 95, Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa was still sitting there. Uh, I really, really like him. I think he needs to like, again, this is something I, I Zach Hicks, I'm sure you guys all know people listening know, Big fan of the way he evaluates. Um, great traits. Uh, needs to add some strength, but he's super explosive. And so, I don't know, like I said, at 90, at, at 90, I think I said 95. Sorry, I traded back. Yeah, 95. I just like the idea of, of injecting some more talent and athleticism into the edge class. Um, or, and, and again, something to keep in mind, too, for Colts fans is Taekwon Lewis is a free agent at the end of this year. Kamoko Ture is a free agent at the end of this year. Ben Bandigu hasn't shown much so far. Like you could be looking at a pretty empty cupboard at the end of next year. If things don't pan out with those guys, or if they play really well and they hit the free agent market, there's, there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different reasons to add multiple edge guys in this class. If you can. I think that's a good pick. Extremely probably is the most explosive pass rusher in this draft. So, you know, like you said, the knock on him is the strength, you know, but I, that's, that's something you can work on. You know, that's something you could get bigger. You can put pounds, you can add weight. He has a frame that, that would allow you to add weight to, and he can get a lot stronger, you know, in the NFL weight, weight and conditioning program, I think will do him a big justice and, and unlock his true potential. You know? And I know, I think some people would argue against taking two edge rushers because 
they think Ballard is putting so much trust in the young guys that they don't want to <laughs> add more people to take away snaps. But I mean, like Jim just said, like there's so many question marks and so many, not even for this season, but the next um, that you kind of just have to add as many competitive pieces you can to this edge department and kind of like how we keep hearing Chris Ballard say I'm going to get the best five offensive linemen on the field I think he's going to have a very similar mentality when it comes to the edge department Um, we're not going to have that one huge name um, coming off of either side if Justin Houston doesn't end up coming back after the draft or whatever it's going to be young guys the entire season so I think the best way to do it is to grab two edge in this two edges in this class that really does have some solid day two and day three talent um, to add to this edge room for sure. Yeah, and that was the idea. Like I said, it was more just make again, I, and because of the trade back, I thought that freed me up to do so. I agree with you. I think Ballard does want to trust Ture, does want to trust Vanigu, uh, might resign Justin Houston, but a good GM prepares for you know the worst case scenarios. And, and I think you need to inject some, some talent into that, into that side of things. And so Ellerson Smith, I it was, again, it's, it's a lot. And again, I'm sure you guys will have this too. Um, you can go, maybe go through it more than I'm going through it, but you know, the guys who are, it, it's dictated a lot by who's sitting there, you know, who, who's still around, what guy is, is presents the best value. I thought Ellerson Smith did at the time um, at one fourteen. So this was my, uh, my next pick again, traded back. So I got a lot of picks in this middle part of the air draft, which I'm really happy about because I think there's a lot of talent. I took Robert Rochelle, the cornerback out of Central Arkansas. Um, this is a guy that has the requisite length and uh, arm length, both in height, and to, to play in Chris Ballard and Matt Eberflus's system. That's a guy that I think has had really, really good ball production, even though it's at a small school, which is not something that has shied you know Ballard away from from cornerbacks or any player in the past. Really, he's he's okay going after um, you know a smaller school production guy. Uh, I liked where again another another guy that I thought kind of adds, gives you some hope for the future. We know Jim Irsay has said multiple times that they do need to add another corner. Uh, they only have Xavier Rhodes for one more year. He's on a one-year contract. You don't really know where Rocky Sin is at right now in terms of his development. Again, I think they believe that he's going to take a step forward, but thought it was important to add a corner uh, day two of this draft. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for adding a corner because my biggest pet peeve is the people that do Colts mock drafts and do not add a corner at all. Um, I think corner is a bigger need than people are giving it credit for. Um, I'm not against Xavier Rhodes. Um, I think some people that have listened to me over the, this off season have taken it that way, but that's not the, that's not the case. I just don't think that you can look at Xavier Rhodes and think he is a hundred percent going to replicate what he did last year. Um, I think it was great. I good for his career. I really thought he was going to get a payday and I thought he would have earned it. And that's why I thought he was going to be elsewhere. Um, obviously that's not the case. The market didn't really hit for him there. He ends up coming back on a friendly deal. Um, so I'm excited to have him back. I'm just nervous on if I think he can do what he did last year. Um, obviously there's question marks are around rock. Um, Marvell tells coming back after an opt out. Um, so we're still, there's just so many question marks in the, in the corner room as well that I really want to walk out of here with one. And I really like Rochelle. I like his game. I think he's a guy that can come in and can, can compete for snaps, especially on the outside right away. Well, let's for, I mean, forget about questions. Just look at the fact that TJ Carey and Xavier Rhodes on a, are on a one-year deal. Yep. They're gone after next year. So now you're just looking at Rocky Sin, Marvell Tell, uh, Isaiah Rogers, and Kenny Moore. That's all you have. So I look at the contracts versus the production. I agree, man. I agree. I can't argue with that. Anybody doing a full mock and not adding at least one cornerback 
it's I, I don't know. I, I think you're gambling a little bit and you're playing, you're being real risky with that format. Uh, I yeah, I agree. I think you should add one, if not two, if you have the opportunity and like I said, and trade back and collect some extra picks like I did, and I know other um other people did. I should say, uh, I have I ended up with 10 picks and started with six. So that's something I think again, I don't know if that's what Ballard's gonna end up doing, but that's something I was very happy to do. And, and again, collecting the middle of this draft. So at 127, which is my next pick, um, I don't know if I should, I forgot to maybe kind of go into these trades a little bit. I traded back, um, I'm trying to back. Oh, well, now they're seeming to go on this. So I don't know where the other one was. I apologize. But um, anyway, the pick I have here at 127 is Jacoby Stevens, the safety out of LSU. Uh, this is a guy that I, I, I know this is kind of the knock on him from everybody. I don't know where he's going to play. Playing safety is interesting. He might just be an undersized linebacker. He might just be a, a big safety. Uh, but I really like the idea. I mean, this is somebody like, I kind of think there's something really interesting about, about putting that kind of guy in Matt Eberflus' system. This is a guy who's played a lot of snaps. I mean, two years ago, they had 500 snaps uh, with three safety, a third safety. I'm sorry. had played 500 snaps. They have a lot of linebacker snaps to make up for with Anthony Walker departing. Obviously, Bobby Okariki will soak up a lot of those. And Darius Leonard, you know, assuming he's not hurt, will soak up some of those as well. But they do have uh, some snaps to soak up on defense. And I would be interested to see a guy that's kind of that hybrid. Um, like I said super athletic guy. And I just kind of am just kind of intrigued by um, well, what he might be able to do in, in the defense and how Matty Refuse might use him. I love the pick. Spoiler alert, he's in my mock. I'm I'm sorry. This guy let you I definitely have I love the pick. LSU kid. I'm from New Orleans, as Michael said earlier. So I saw a lot of Jacoby Stevens throughout his career, man. He, he's a great kid. Really great kid. Love the pick. His his interviews with um you mentioned Zach Hicks earlier. Um yeah. his interviews with Zach Hicks have been really cool. I think. Um, I've learned to like the guy even more than the player um, throughout this process. I mean, he's just really candid on those interviews with that I've seen with Zach. Um, he's had, he's not been shy um, talking about um, how he felt disrespected early on in the process. Um, I don't know how long I think he's going to last anymore. He, his, his pro day definitely helped his case. Um, I think he displayed that he's a freak athlete that is, like you said, is going to be able to play a lot of different positions. So it's going to be interesting to see where people have him on their boards. Um, but yeah, whatever team ends up getting him is going to have a stud player that I think is going to be able to develop. But I also think he, they just have a really great human um, just joining their locker room, which is always a bonus. I, uh, yeah, like I said, I think that's a great fit for the Colts, and that's a great point that you make that the Colts are going to be definitely interested in the character in some of these guys, in all their guys. So that's definitely a great point to add to that. Uh, at 137, I went – this is a little different. Again, this was more just how the board fell to me, and I was pretty beholden to best player available. I really was. And so this is not a need. Even though It's a little bit more of a need than people think. This is a story I wrote not that long ago. Colts kind of might need linebackers coming up soon. Uh, a lot of their depth guys are, are either going to be free agents or, or yeah, are going to be free agents here soon. So, um, and also the other thing to keep in mind is if you do a mock draft without a linebacker, you might be doing it wrong. If you're doing Chris Ballard, because he drafts a linebacker every year, if not two, um, he's drafted seven. It's his most drafted position of his 38 picks, uh, at, at, with the Colts. So I added Dylan Moses from Alabama, a guy that I, again, I, I, the fit is, is maybe a little bit questionable. I think he can play four, three outside linebacker and, and, be, I guess I don't know that they necessarily need him there. I just kind of, I just kind of liked where he fell. I, I like the idea of him uh, giving them some solid depth, but you know, we all know Darius Leonard hasn't had 
the most, uh, the best health track record. Again, I don't think he's in the same mold as Leonard or Okariki, and maybe that's more where they'll be looking is, is a guy that's a little bit more athletically gifted, kind of freaky uh, than, than uh, Moses is. But again, I like the solid linebacker played at Alabama. Um, I just like that, uh, that they can add some depth and have some, like, again, they, they might need somebody to kind of step in and take up snaps. That might be Franklin. That might be Zaire, but um, I'm sorry, Adams. I'm sorry. Cause I hear Franklin's the same person, Adams. Um, but anyway, I, I guess I wanted them to add a linebacker. I thought it'd be earlier in the, or later in the draft, but uh, Moses was sitting there and I kind of pounced. I absolutely love the pick, man. I think they need somebody to fill that thumper role that was vacated by Anthony Walker. And like you said, we have uh, EJ Speed, we have Matthew Adams, Zaire Franklin, we Jordan Glasgow. We we draft linebackers. Chris Ballard loves linebackers, especially if you can contribute on special teams. That's a sneaky way to end up on our roster and make the fifty-three man cut. And I think Dylan Moses, man, I love his skill set in that thumper type role for the Colts. I think he can really excel in that type of role as long as you're not asking him to consistently cover people in space. You know, I, I think you're playing to a strong suit as long as you're not asking them to do things like that. And I think there are probably some people listening um, because there's a big EJ Speed um, hive going on <laughs> in Colts Twitter right now. So there's probably some people listening that think that Jim is disrespecting EJ Speed <laughs> by taking a linebacker. But the people, I think people need to also think about EJ Speed was a pretty big special team player last year. So if even if he is moving up into that role, which we will not know until after training camp because – like every other position, he's going to let every linebacker battle it out for that spot that Anthony Walker was playing. Um, but even if EJ Speed is moving up, that, there's a big hole on special teams because almost all the other linebackers were also playing on special teams. So it's not like those guys are going to get bumped up into a special teams role. They were already there. So there's still a spot to fill. Um, so either way, I mean, however you want to look at it, I always take a linebacker late. Um, we, we had this conversation on me and Michael's last episode um, talking about linebacker because I know that um, Michael is even team taking one earlier than most people think. And my, my biggest thing is I think Ballard – has hit on so many day two, day three linebackers at this point, even if it isn't on field production um, on the defensive side of the ball, he's hit on so many solid special teams guys. Like we saw Glasgow last year as a rookie um, play a ton of special teams um, snaps. It's just Ballard finds those guys. Um, so I, I don't think it's ever a bad pick to take a linebacker. And I think Moses is a, I think he has a big higher ceiling than a lot of these linebackers that a lot of people are projecting to the Colts. So I'd be all for it. Yeah, like I said, and when you again, this is something that I think you can maybe go a little bit. Yeah, calling it luxury is maybe not quite right, as you mentioned. You guys just talked about they lost Anthony Walker. They do have a bit of a need, but when you have as many picks as that, again, you trade back for, you can kind of plug in the fourth, fifth rounds uh, with guys like that. So at one sixty-five, I drafted. I, I admit I kind of wanted to get a receiver a little earlier. Um, I just never really found the right guy. I didn't find the the fit that I liked. Um, I got somebody that I. I I'm a more of a, a size speed guy. I think, I think Chris Ballard is too. Uh, I think if you're under six feet, a lot of the time he's going to dismiss you. Not every time, but that's what he's looking for. Uh, so anyway, I waited this long to finally pull the trigger on Tennessee's Josh Palmer. Uh, again, I mean, we're, we're talking about later in the draft, so he's not my favorite prospect, but guy can, guy can jump guy. He's six one. He's got pretty big hands, not huge hands, um, but pretty big hands. And, and is, you know, like I said, they, I'm sorry, the scouting report on him is that he can really go catch the ball. It's a pretty decent route runner, which is always something attractive to me. I just like guys that come into the league as decent route runners. I feel like I have a lot easier time adapting. Um, 
again, not super like elusive or anything like that. I just, I kind of like that the fact that he can come in and, and be solid depth right away. And then maybe the upside, again, maybe the upside isn't as big as certainly as some of the guys you could have gotten earlier in the draft, but it's a solid receiver to get this late in the draft. A super talented guy, high ceiling. I think he uh, has a chance to actually make the team. You know, he he offers a different skill set than some of the other guys that we see at the bottom of the depth chart for us, like uh, Ashton Doolin and um, who's a Desmond Padman. You know, they're they're different type of guys than what Palmer is. I think he has the, the capability to take top of defense. I think he has the capability to run precise routes. And he can be a late-round sleeper, man. I, I love the pick. I love the pick. Receiver is always one of my favorite camp battles um, just because I feel like that 5-6 spot um, for receivers is just always super fun to see who gets them. Um, we, we've had a few disagreements on the guys that are currently in the room. Um, there's guys like DeMichael Harris. There's guys like Ashton Doolin um, that are – gonna have fights for that spot and it seems like um the coaching staff really likes Doolin. they like his ability to play special teams but they've really tried to get him out there more and more um i always go for a receiver in these mocks as well um and i don't think you can miss on guy like palmer i think his size and he just screams to me on tape a guy who's going to be better at the next level than he was at college it was in college it just feels like you giving him a legit nfl type offense giving him an nfl coaching staff he's a guy that has the skill sets to take that next step i do like i think by the way i could be wrong but i think he's 21 and and is a senior i think if that's right so i kind of love that super young and again the guy that that you can mold a little bit and have a little more time with so uh, i could be wrong but if somebody wants to correct me but if not move on um i will again this was this was me like hunting for some upside at, at positions i didn't hit before so i doubled down um at receiver again again having i had three more picks this is at 206 um i went with uh simi uh Bayoko. sorry i always want to make sure i say his name right from stanford big dude really really big dude um and ran a four, four. So it's kind of a size speed guy. Uh, Desmond Patton kind of fits this mold in terms of that. That's what they drafted last year. And again, I just want to give, you know, Jim Mercer keeps talking about adding an explosive element to this offense. I think it's a pass catcher, a tight end um, or wide receiver. I'm not saying either of the guys that we just talked about is going to do that. Um, but I just, I got, I like kind of putting bullets in the chamber. You can, you can, you can find some really intriguing athletes this late in the draft. Um, I'm surprised he fell this far in, and I don't know right. if the simulator I used, uh, was, was down on him more than whatever, but I was really, really happy to find him this late. A uh, big guy with a lot of traits. And I think that's what we see the league transitioning to, you know, they, the league used to try to stay away from those guys that was athletic freaks, but couldn't run routes, you know, uh, different things like that. But Simi has the type of, you know, like that DK Metcalf mode where you just, I only need you to run a couple of routes. We're going to stack uh, trips up on one side. We're going to put you on the backside as the X receiver. And we're going to let you run streaks. Are you going to run long digs and crossing routes and things like that? We're not going to ask you to do all kind of slant fade comebacks. We're not going to do request any of those type of precise routes. We're going to just get you to run. So you just use your athleticism and be and beat one-on-one situations. That's all we're going to ask for you. Because that's all DK Metcalf runs. He doesn't have a, a deep route tree. You know, he's just a physical freak. And he uses athleticism really well in that Seattle offense. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Simi's a guy that um, 
like, like Rashad said, spoiler alert, he's going to be in mine as well. Um, <laughs> I, I just think he's a guy that has that body type, like you said, a, a guy like Patman. Um, and Ballard's not afraid to cut these later round guys if it comes to it, if b- people mm-hmm. beat them out, um, because sometimes these picks are just good for motivating the guys on the roster. So maybe drafting a guy like Simi motivates a guy like Patman to take that next step and earn his spot over him. Um, I don't think you can have enough guys in camp for those kind of battles. And I mean, what it sounds like is we're still going to have a pretty expanded practice squad anyway. Um, so grab as many bodies as you can at these skill positions, especially in day three, and just let them all fight it out. I'm down for it. Great transition because I drafted another skill guy. It wasn't another wide receiver. Um, I just, just because um, I drafted enough of them, but keep in mind, by the way, he drafted fountain and Kane in the same draft. So he will double down on receivers looking for, looking for some talent. Uh, I did go running back here with Puka Williams from Kansas. Again, we're late in the draft now, so not this is at 248, so we're right right at the end. Um, again, not a guy that I want to like go to bat for and say he's going to be awesome, but he's super fast, got like incredible straight line speeds, good kick returner. He could contribute on special teams. Uh, the only thing I'll mention here and just say that running back, again, something I wrote about, running back could be an underrated need for the Colts. Everybody not named Jonathan Taylor running back is a free agent at the end of the year. Um, so they might resign Naheem Hines. They might not. I, I kind of tend to think they will, but if they don't, they're going to need to start addressing the position for depth behind Jonathan Taylor. Again, I'm not saying Puka Williams is the guy who's going to end up being the, <laughs> the next Hines or the next guy that takes over and splits carries with him, but you start getting some bodies in camp and seeing what you got. Late round running backs is always a plus. I mean, you know, why not just throw one dart at the board and, and, and see if it sticks. Like you say, you know, you have those guys on the contract, for, for a long time. And running backs this day and age are not getting second contracts. So you want to keep a, a new guy, a fresh face, a fresh body, really, on the roster. Somebody you can have under contract control over a longer period of time, just in case you can't ha- extend Naheem Hines. Like, he hit free agency and he's gone. You never know what, what's going to occur at a running back position. A position with such a short shelf life in the NFL is always good to have you want. I like I didn't hear people say they'd take one every draft, you know, just take one at the end of every draft and see what happens. I mean, like you said, I mean, if you took the positions that just feel like people hit in the late rounds so often, um, I would say tight end would be my first one that I would go for. And then second is running back. It just feels like year in and year out the, the rookie that comes out of nowhere and has the immediate production that's more than they expected is a tight end or running back. I mean, last year was an undrafted running back um, in Robinson, who's going to be the guy in Jacksonville probably for the next couple of years now, at least. Um, so you, it's, it's never a bad idea to take a flyer on a late round running back, especially if they have the traits at the position. And then, oh yeah, I totally agree. And then kind of following through with the, with the theme of my draft, which is the double down, I went not running back again, yeah, but I went tackle. I was actually a little surprised to see Josh Ball here for Marshall, the tackle. Uh, this guy I thought people will draft higher because of his ridiculous size. He's 6'7". I'm pulling up his numbers here. 6'7", 308 with 35-inch arms. People are going to love that because uh, he's gigantic and huge reach. Um, but again, uh, just I, I don't want to talk too much about the player because I think he'll be gone ahead of time. But I liked getting a tackle this late. Just again, adding depth, adding competitions is something that Chris Ballard harped on. Uh, when they signed Tevi and they signed Davenport, they want to add competition to the position. They want to add depth to the position, as we all saw, got decimated last year, uh, just both with injuries and then, you know, kind of freak, freak injuries and then COVID uh, both popped up. So adding another lineman is not a bad idea this late in the draft. 
um, give them a chance to compete for a roster spot, if not a practice squad. But again, uh, big fan of ball just because of the size that he has uh, and some of the, and, you know, again, more athletically gifted than you'd think, but uh, adding a second tackle is more what I was interested in. Yeah, big guy, huge guy, mountain of a man, uh, a late round tackle. You always want that type of competition. Like you say, the practice squad is expanded. You throw them on a practice squad. You start to kind of develop a guy with that size. And we all know late in the draft, Ballard loves his size and guys with traits. And that's what he he's really looking for. I think it's more trait than production at that point in the draft. Anyway, you know, you're looking, you're seeing what I can turn a guy into over what this guy has been while he was in college. So I, great pick. I, I, I don't I don't mind it at all. Jim's going with a lot of depth, man. He is. I don't like missing, so I take two swings. <laughs> That's smart. He, he doesn't miss. He, he, he gets those foul balls. He, he just continues the at-bat. Yeah, that, that's my draft. That's I mean, you're right. It's two tackles. It's two edge, uh, two receivers. So I definitely doubled down, but I wanted to make sure that I hit the needs uh, that we needed to hit. And so – I would say if there was a mis- you know, if there was something I wish I had gone back for, it would be tight end, but uh, didn't find anybody that I really loved. Honestly, don't love the tight end class beyond um, first few guys, really. And so those guys were gone, didn't really have a chance to get them and, and went in a different direction. And I guess I just crossed my fingers and hope for a trade for Zach Ertz. Okay. All right. Well, Rashad, I believe you're up. Okay, Lou, let's get into my draft. Um, Jim's draft was a lot better than mine because I only got seven swings. Jim got 10. So, you know, <laughs> if, if I happen to miss, Jim's definitely going to have more hits than me because he, he got more swings. But uh, let's get into it. So at pick 21, of course, I 100% expect Ballard to trade out of this pick. I, I do not think we will be selecting anyone at 21 unless it's someone special that he has in that uh, five to six range. One of those players that, that he spoke about in his press conference uh, recently. But I don't think that's going to happen. So with my 21st pick, I traded it back to Buffalo. Buffalo gave me the pick number 30 and pick number 93. So I was extremely excited to get a third round pick to replace what we lost in the Carson Wentz trade. And I was trying to get a future pick to kind of, you know, take the blow off the Carson Wentz trade for the future year. But I wasn't able to secure that, so I I took pick 30 and pick 93, and I ran with it. With pick 30, I selected Jalen Phillips. I was talking to those guys earlier, telling them that I think Jalen Phillips has the most upside out of any pass rusher that's in the draft. I think he has the best film in the draft, and we all know what the concern is with Jalen Phillips, and it's the concussions. We know that he was medically forced to retire at UCLA, where he was the number one pass rusher coming out of high school at. his tape is phenomenal. His tape was phenomenal then, and then he came back to Miami, and he dominated. Like I said, that's a top-10 pass rusher in college football easily. Like I think he's a top-10 talent overall on the defensive side of the ball when he's medically you know, cleared and medically healthy. So Ballard's going to have to do his homework with that pick. I know he doesn't typically deal with guys that has red flags in the medical area, but you know, I, th- I think once he does his homework thorough enough and he and he gets word, speaks to some of his coaches and speaks about his work, that the, that he would be convinced to make the pick. So, the thing is, second, the thing, oh, I want to talk about Phillips too, Rashad. Gosh. I didn't know you liked Phillips. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, but the thing about Phillips, like you said, like he's a top 10 talent in this draft. If you take away the concussion protocol 
issues with him. Like, there's no way he hears his name in the latter half of the first round. Um, that, there's a reason he's going to be there. Um, and there's going to be a lot more injury question marks than we even understand just because of not having the combine this year. Um, there's injury concerns sprinkling in as this week gone on. We've seen Terrence Marshall, um, your guy Aziz today. Um, we saw some injury concerns come out on. Um, there's just going to be more and more stack on top of it. The biggest thing for me that I wanted to look at was how he responded to being forced to retire. Um, I've loved reading a little bit about Phillip's year off, um, where, where he had to do. He said he tried to he went and got an internship um, at a regular person job, really, just trying to see if he could do life without football, um, and he couldn't do it. He said he ended up watching his own tape at night uh, when he was trying to go to sleep. Like, he just got found himself longing for football. Um, and to me, that tells you a lot about this guy as a football player coming to the next level. Um, that helps me a lot in that process, and obviously we're all just going to hope and pray um, that the concussions are in the past. Yeah, I don't – I don't know if Phillips is going to be there at 30, even with the injury questions, Uh, but it was Rashad's prediction. That's how the board fell. And I think we hit a home run on that, on that, on that pick. Yeah, man. All All that is that every team's got their own, every team's got their own medicals. And if they, if he, if he, if there could be enough teams in front of the Colts that either that there's some weird combination of don't need edge and have, haven't cleared him medically that he slides. And if he's there and he's healthy, it's an incredible pick. Yeah, I had a uh, Quiddy Pay earlier. Buff- Buffalo traded up to take Quiddy Pay actually, and Baltimore selected an edge rusher, but they went with Aziz Ajilari over Jalen Phillips. So when I saw Jalen Phillips fall to 30, it was kind of a no brainer at that spot. So with pick number two, at pick number 54, technically in the second round, the Indianapolis Colts select Alex Leatherwood. Uh, this one is kind of a kind of an inside thing. I've just been hearing a lot of stuff about Leatherwood, speaking with a lot of people in the know. So I already thought that he was a great fit in Indianapolis. My, that's Michael's guy. Michael loves Alex Leatherwood. Michael has him rated a lot higher. What is you, your tackle five, Mike? Yeah, tackle five, dude. Yeah. I think at number 54, that is tremendous value. Possibly, depending on how that board fell, I think that could be the best second round pick in value. Yeah, I love Leatherwood. So that that was a no-brainer for me as well. I mean, it was making it really easy to make this draft with those two guys, Jalen Phillips in the first and Alex Leatherwood in the second. This is a home run so far. So pick number three, pick number 93 on the draft board. Uh, I got a guy that's that I consider my guy. He's He used to be Dustin guy. Dustin kind of turned on him a little bit. But we got Brevin Jordan out the University of Miami. You know, uh, we are looking for a move tight end. We're in the business of a move tight end. I still think in the back of my mind, if the Colts do not select the tight end, as Jim Jim, Jim didn't earlier, I still think the Zach Ertz move is still on the table. I still feel like that's going to happen. If we don't select the tight end, that would be obvious signs pointing to, okay, they're looking to make a deal for Zach Ertz in the future. But in this scenario, we get Brevin Jordan, a guy that that tested similar to Janu Smith. If you if you look at his athletic testing, I, I see similarities in their game. Um, Brevin 6'3". He was used in a lot of different ways in Miami, like a couple of times out the backfield, a couple of shovel passes and screens. And it, it was real creative with the way they used him. But I still think they they failed to utilize him down the field where I think he can be the most effective, kind of in that Eric Ebron role that we had a couple of years ago. He's not as big and tall as Ebron, but I think he moves a lot better. 
and he's a lot more fluid when he has the ball in his hands. So, first of all, um, I don't know where you're getting this. I, I don't know where you're getting this. I come off him. I mean, in my final big board, he's still tied in two, and I had him as prospect 57. Um, really? So I, yeah, he's going in round two for me, um, putting okay. this falsery that I hate Brevin Jordan <laughs> out there. Um, he His pro day was one of the more shocking ones in a negative way yeah. for me. Um, he tested way poorer than I was imagining because I've told everybody I see a lot of Johnu Smith when I watch Brevin Jordan's film. Um, he, he, he looks a lot quicker on film than he tested. Um, and like I said earlier about Rousseau, I mean, there's so many things going into these people's pro days that probably need to be taken into account. Um, I would be shocked if Brevin Jordan comes into the NFL and is a liability um, in athletically wise. I just can't imagine that's the case when you watch him on film. I just don't see it. Um, so, yeah, I think the value is there with him. Um, I, the only reason I think the Colts end up not taking a guy like Brevin Jordan is just because I think they're going to wait till later in the draft to get a tight end option. Um, but, hey, I, I've always been – I've been wrong a lot of times in life, especially when it comes to Chris Boward's draft styles. Um, so I would be all for it if we got Brevin Jordan. I, uh, I also like the idea of Brevin Jordan. I love the idea of a move tight end. Um, I'll say two things. One, let me rewind real quick. Leatherwood – fantastic pick man I, I love that i wish he had fallen in my board it was like i think he was 25th on my board so you gotta what? i think he went I, yeah i was waiting I, that was kind of the guy i was targeting when i traded back and then he was gone so anyway but george the only thing i'll say about this with tight ends is that you got to remember if you're drafting him to play that move spot or any spot really it takes two three years a lot of the time with these guys the tight ends take a while to develop to take a learn I, even like again johnny smith i think it's a great comparison given his um given their similarity in their profiles and which remember, Johnny Smith had, I'm looking it up now, 18 catches his first year, 20 catches his second year. It took a little time. It took a little time for him to get going and get understand that offense and things like that. So happens with tight ends. But if you get a guy in the system now, uh, definitely a guy who could build a rapport with Carson Wentz. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Ballard literally just said on Friday, you got to have a little luck. And let me tell you, luck is on his side so far in this draft. Well, well, I'm going to steal from Jim. Uh and it's funny because right, right when you made this pick, Jim, at my next pick at pick 127, I immediately sent Dustin my list, you know, and he laughed <laughs> at me because at pick 127, I, I have Dylan Moses. Uh, I, I just think 6'3", 240, the size is there. You know, the physicality is there on film. If you watch him in a run game, he's very effective. Like I, like I said when we was recapping your pick, he, I mean, he's not the best coverage guy. But but in that in that Sam role, do you really need him to be? No, you need him to be physical, you know. And Dustin spoke earlier about the EJ speed, EJ speed high. EJ's not that type of linebacker. He's more of a rangy kind of linebacker, kind of a coverage guy. He's not a physical thumper, like a guy that's gonna really go and and, and slam down at the line of scrimmage and make yeah, plays will. and make stops and fill gap. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Michael. So I think that's a different type of linebacker that, that we need for this roster. And I think Dylan Moses fit that perfectly. I like replacing it. I just like replacing uh, Anthony Walker as a guy who does some of those mm -hmm. things that you just talked about. And again, again, I think it's underrated. I don't think anybody in, in there's not enough people in Colts fandom who uh, appreciated what Anthony Walker did for that defense. It was uh, dirty work and early down stuff and really didn't get a chance to, to kind of, I don't know. I just never got the credit I thought he deserved. So Dylan Moses, <laughs> 
sorry to say, would, would come here for four years and, and never get the credit he deserves. for being Exactly. Hey, I was on record during the year that Anthony Walker does so much more than just helping run support. I was on record. He, he is does. So important to the defense. Now, Anthony Walker is a guy that I feel like – I agree. I just feel like fans didn't ever understand – what his actual impact was on the game just because he would have a few moments in the game he'd get beaten coverage and everyone knows in football when you mess up and a key play happens because of you um, NFL fans think you suck um, forever it doesn't matter what you do after that Um, so Anthony Walker is a guy I will always root for I hope nothing but the best for him in Cleveland well that's because uh what you contribute to a locker room there's no statistic for that so you know the average fan can't pull that up on uh ESPN stats uh NFL stats you know and and I I'm, I don't blame them because I don't expect everybody to be nerds you know kind of like us like we're nerds we're digging deep you know we get the stories that's kind of behind the scene we know the effect that that personally had on Darius Leonard we saw the outpour from his teammates you know once he signed with Cleveland uh, once it was pretty much confirmed that he wasn't coming back we saw how the guys really went took to their socials to really express how they felt and and talk about all the contributions that Anthony Walker had for them. And that was that was pretty good, man. Anthony Walker, if you remember, he led the team in tackles when this defense was terrible. Like before everybody came, for all these guys that we currently have that, that's doing their thing, it was Anthony Walker here making 130 and 145 tackles a year, anchoring a terrible defense. So, you know, I, I keep that in mind. I'm real thankful for, for everything that Anthony Walker bought. And hopefully Dil- if Dylan Moses can contribute half of what Anthony Walker did, he'd be a pretty good NFL player for us. So, all right, pick 165, Jim. And I promise this is the last person we have in common. I didn't steal your uh, your draft guy. Jacoby Stevens, man. Jacoby Stevens, uh, safety, hybrid safety. I know Michael loves his safeties. He said we need hybrids, a hybrid safety. So I made it a point, Michael, to take a hybrid safety just for you, a guy that can play in kind of that linebacker, slot corner, safety role, a real versatile guy. Uh, Joe Kobe Stevens, let me tell you one thing he's going to do. He's going to force Eberflus to become more creative in this defense because he's a guy that you, you need to utilize all over the field. If you're sticking him and pigeonholing him to one particular position, then I don't think you're really using him to the best of his ability. I think you really need to just go and use him wherever you see your biggest void at on defense. If you feel like you have a package where you want to use two linebackers, then you go ahead and throw them in a slot. Or if you want to use a safety in a physical in a box, you can move Kahari to the box and you can have Julian Blackman playing over over the top and have you know, Jacoby really manned up on some of those bigger guys that, that you don't want to put a cornerback on. Or you feel like Kenny Moore is too, too small a guard. That's the type of role you need to use Jacoby Stevens in for him to be as most effective. Well, y'all know how I feel about Eberflus. And let me tell you, a fifth-round rookie is not going to make that man change a playing style. That's just not going to happen. Uh, right. I know how I feel on him. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I wish he would play the younger guys a lot more. I don't know mm-hmm. why he doesn't, but – the whole practice hard and stuff. I just think, you know, that's high school stuff. This is the NFL guys got here and played the guys that your GM drafts plain and simple. So that's how I feel. Jacoby Stevens. I, when I get to mine, I have a guy that I like higher than him. Honestly, uh, mm-hmm. I think he does a couple more things better than Jacoby, but we'll, we'll get there, but that is a solid pick. Yeah. Pick 165. I'm pretty sure the guy you're referring to probably wasn't here at that point. 
He's, he's probably gone by now. So, uh, okay, my next pick at pick 206, I'm going with wide receiver Cade Johnson. A guy that's flying under the radar but was uber productive in college, and not a lot of people are going to acknowledge that because they didn't really see him play, to be honest. But he had a strong showing at the Senior Bowl, and I know how Ballard really values the Senior Bowl. Like, a majority of his draft picks – comes from the senior bowls, guys who had leadership roles on their team and guys he's actually got a chance to put his hands on and talk to personally. He likes to get, get in person with those guys and kind of get a feel for their for their competitiveness, the different attributes, the different walks of life type of things that that they experience. But I think Kay Johnson is a great guy. He's five foot 11, a little bit shorter than what Ballard typically likes to target. But I think he makes up for it with his physicality. He's, he's a pretty good player, man, and, and I see a real upside with this roster because he brings a, a specific type of skill set. Okay. And with my last pick, pick 248, I'm going with Shamar Jean Charles, cornerback hmm. from Appalachian State, a guy we know have experience with our current defensive back coach, James Rowe, a tall guy, long guy, and is perfect for a zone system. I was trying to get a cornerback. Every spot that I went to draft somebody, I couldn't find a cornerback that I really liked or really thought was good value until I got to my very last pick. Like Jim said, if you're not picking a cornerback, you're probably not doing it right. So I had to make sure I made it a point to get a cornerback, especially a cornerback that I feel like can step in and compete right away. Don't think just because it's a seven-round pick that this guy's just going to get written off. This guy... He has, he has the tools physically. I mean, he's not the fastest guy. He shouldn't be thrown in man-man. That, that's not his strength. He's long. He's, he'll play the zone good. He has good ball skills. And like I say, he has experience with James Rowe, a guy that, that has worked with him in the past and has raved about him and spoke well about him leading up throughout the draft process. All right. I think that was a solid draft, in my opinion. Uh... I wouldn't be mad at it. <laughs> All right. Um, I liked it a lot, by the way. I thought you nailed the first few rounds for sure. Especially, I mean, I liked your later round picks too, but I think early on you were uh, you were right on the money. I think Leatherwood is fantastic. If Phillips' medicals are good, you crushed that pick. So, yeah. And I, Don Stevens, if, if Eberflus, again, that's not a pick you make unless your defensive coordinator is committing to using him the way that you described. So, if they make that kind of pick and he commits to using him in all these different ways, that could be great for the Colts defense. Trust me, Jim, I got a lot of questions to ask you about Matt Eberflus because I've got a bone to pick with him. But, guys, that will do it for Jim Aiello's time on the show. Uh, his time is money. His time is precious. He doesn't need to be fooling around with jokers like us. Uh, he's got <laughs> grown man business to take care of. So, Jim, thank you once again, man, uh, for, for your time. Thank you for being here with us and jumping on. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I would love to hang out longer. And if it wasn't draft week, I wouldn't be as busy with stuff going on. So it's just, it's just a lot. And I, I, I would love to do this again with you guys. Maybe we can do something after the draft, but this was a blast and you guys are like great to talk to. I'm learning a ton as, as we go here. So I appreciate it. All Thank right, you. guys. Well, that was a uh, Jim Aiello and we will keep uh, getting things going uh, here for you. And so let's, uh, Real quick, real quick, real quick, Michael. I think your mock draft is going to be so special, so amazing, that I think this should be the one call technology 
mock draft of the day. Um, mm. One call technology is a managed telecom service provider, senior staff that has a hundred plus years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications, business phone systems, installation and services, managed telecom service providers, telecom carrier management and high speed internet. Head on over to one calls website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888 888- 585-8850 and tell them that the blue stable sent you. All right. So uh, once again, shout out to one call technology and I'm gonna let you guys know right now, my draft is completely different from Rashad's. <laughs> okay. So um, look, I didn't, you know, go through seven mock drafts. I wasn't refreshing. I wasn't starting over. I put myself in a GM chair and said, you know what, we're going to go. Because on draft night, Chris Bauer's not going to be able to call Commissioner Goodell and say, hey, man, can we restart over? I think, you know, y'all get the gist of what's happening. So uh, the first pick at 21, a guy was sitting there in quitty pay, but Atlanta called with an enticing offer. They called with a great offer. So they won. They got Kyle Pitts earlier in the draft, but they got to address that defense to help out a little bit. You got AJ Terrell last year, still got Deion Jones, got to add a little bit of pass rush. So they traded up at 21 to get Quiddy Pay, but the package we received was their second round pick at 35, their fourth round pick at 108, and then their fifth round pick at 182. I had to include the fifth round so pick. That. I had to. So. At uh, at 35, there were a couple of guys I was targeting. Alex Leatherwood was off the board. Jason Owe left, and I was primed and ready to take Greg Newsome, but the freaking Jets took him. So <laughs> I sat there and I told myself, well, who else is there? And I went back to what Ballard said. We're not going to force it just because we need a tackle. We're not going to force it just because we need an edge. We're not going to take one just because we need to. So, spoiler alert, I did not go left tackle or edge in this one. I looked at the best player available, and I took Terrace Marshall Jr. on the board. He is at 35. I think he slipped because of the injury questions, but there wasn't a corner on the board that I think would fit the scheme. Asante Samuel Jr., I'm not the I'm not sure he's the guy that Ballard is looking for. Campbell, I think this is too high for him. But with Marshall, look, Pascal on the books for one more year. Hilton on the books for one more year. JJ Nelson, you don't even know if he's gonna be here during the season. But you have Pittman, you don't know where Campbell's gonna be. You got Harris and Patman. Those are the only guys you got. You gotta start adding some guys on cheap contracts and keeping it competitive plays inside out strong hands. Carson Wentz gets another big bodied receiver. One of the best in the draft. I went with Terrace Marshall. All right. So moving on, we, uh, I believe at our 54 pick, I traded back again with Cincinnati. So I received Cincinnati's third round pick at 69 and their sixth round pick at 190, all right? So at 69, once again, I I didn't see a tackle that, you know, 
maybe I would have wanted to get uh, Eichenberg was obviously off the board. So I went with at 69, Paulson Adibo from Stanford. Got to go with the corner. A guy that I love, got good size. The arm length is beautiful. His zone coverage is strong for this scheme. Had to go a corner. I think me and Dustin like the idea of going with the corner, and I'm going to go ahead and let you guys – two picks in, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys step in. You want to go first, Rashad, or you want me to go first? Hey, man, uh, don't get mad at me. This mine, is not mad. I'm just, ask, I'm just asking a question. Mine's going to be pretty quick. So. Nah, you're going to be talking. That's what you're going to be doing. That's why I'm going to let him go last. I'm going to just go ahead and get mine out the way. So you went two – I like – I just want to say this first. I like the I like the two people you pick. I like Paulson Debo. I, I like Terrence Marshall. I think those are great for our particular scheme that we run on offense and defense. I think those guys are good fits with our team. And my thing is though, you're gonna go two rounds without picking a tackle or edge rusher. Edge rusher, guys fell off the board. That's I'm not reaching, guys. Ballard is not reaching on tackle. There wasn't a guy there I won. I was kind of hoping Eichenberg would slip, but he's not falling to 69. I don't think he is. So if you think Colts fans still solid (laughs) tackles through three and four rounds, if you think Colts fans were ready to burn down the building (laughs) when we didn't sign an edge rusher in free agency, if we leave the first three rounds without an edge rusher or a tackle, I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm against your draft at all. I'm just picturing pitchforks and fire walking to Westfield for training camp (laughs) because Colts fans will be completely upset with this well here's the thing Chris Ballard doesn't care what they think he went out and got Phillip Rivers when he saw all of us hated it but but did did Colts fans bring T.Y. home or did Colts fans bring T.Y. home Michael they brought T.Y. home, and guess what? So they what? obviously care a little home. bit. Absolutely. Destin. Jim literally said he brought back T.Y. Chris gave him the number. T.Y. literally said that. He had the phone call with T- Chris. He said, this is my final offer. T.Y. was going to sign, and then Jim interfered and brought it home. So when you said Jim at no. first, I thought you were saying Jim Ayalo, and I was like, that's I not thought so too. I was like, he didn't say that. No, uh, I'm talking about Jimmy from the Colts. All right. Oh, okay. Okay, that guy. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, Jim Ayala. That's what I was saying. <laughs> right. So now at number 108, I believe this is the uh the fourth round pick from Atlanta, early fourth round pick. I actually went with offensive tackle James Hudson from Cincinnati, a guy that I think is a mauler in the run game. He finishes blocks really well. I think him and Quentin Nelson are going to become best friends immediately on day one once they pancake side by side. Um, He'll need some development a little bit in the passing game, but I think day one it's good enough to plug and play, get that experience. And, guys, we have a pretty good offensive line coach. I don't know if you knew that. A pretty guy that had a pretty good uh, career in the NFL. So that's where I went uh, addressing the tackle need. And then I saw a guy uh, slipping a little bit. I did not want him to get taken. So I traded up with the Dallas Cowboys. I went at 115, and I gave Dallas 127, our fourth-round pick, and the 190 I received from Cincinnati. So a fourth and a sixth-round pick traded up to 115 to grab – I went up to grab – 
Ellerson Smith. He slipped, honestly. He slipped in the in the draft. So that's where that happened. Had to grab him. The length, the, the athleticism, sparks, add a little bit of weight. Obviously, it'll need development. That's Ballard's biggest thing, development. And why I didn't uh, technically, like I already said, this is the way the board fell, but I still just get that hunch from Ballard. He keeps mentioning Toure, Lewis, and Banigou. He keeps mentioning those guys instead of, well, I think they could use some help or, you know, just trying to get, give us a hunch that he's he, we need some help. No, he keeps mentioning these three guys, n- namely Ture and Banigou. And honestly, I, of course, I have concerns about We all have concerns about it, but I love it. I love it. I drafted you high. Show me why I did. And Matt Eberflew, stop being a jackass and play the mother... Play the guys oh that I drafted for you. <laughs> Plain and simple. Uh, Michael, Michael's trying to make it to where we don't get any Colts players on this podcast ever. We're never going to get anybody that's, that's, on the defense. Yeah, so that's what Michael's trying to do here. I'm literally standing up for guys to play. That's what I'm doing. Uh, so, calming down a little bit here. Um, got Ellerson Smith with our next pick. I am going to go uh, – I got to go – where am I going to go here? I'm going to go Kenny Yaboa. And why am I going to go Kenny Yaboa? Because Denver called and they wanted Jordan Wilkins. So I gave – so they gave us their fifth-round pick at 152, and I gave them Jordan Wilkins. So with that pick, I'm taking Kenny Yaboa, tight end out of Ole Miss. So that was for a fifth? Yeah. So you stole my thunder. I'll, I'll talk about it more in mine because I traded Jordan Wilkins. Um, I thought I was gonna. I thought I was gonna shock everyone with that. <laughs> um, I should have went before Michael. We should restart this. Let's cut this out. Um, but <laughs> but just, I could see a trade where um, Jordan Wilkins goes out. I think a fifth would be a lot. A little um, too high. Um, I, I don't think he would warrant a fifth by himself, but when I say what I trade later, um, you guys will complain about it as well and say that I probably got too much for it. So we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll wait a little bit, but I, I'd be, I'd be all for Kenny Aboa. Okay. So at 165, here's the guy that I'm talking about. And I know I've been talking about James Wiggins a lot, <laughs> but he was off the board. I was very pissed off at my phone. Yes. A computer. I was very pissed off, but I did take his teammate, Derek Forrest, a guy that I think is a little bit better than Jacoby Stevens. I think his coverage is better uh, playing inside the box, coming downhill straight up tackling dudes. I think you could say it's probably a little bit of the same, but like you, like you said, Rashad, I love safeties. I, I played linebacker. I love linebackers that can tackle and safeties that can play like a linebacker, but cover the safety boundaries of it all and Derek Forrest I feel like is a guy with good length in the arms I don't think that gets mentioned enough um I think he's a Ballard guy and I absolutely I think this is a home run pick a great value pick at 165 I believe so we like to talk about corners well at 182 I went with my guy from TCU Garrett Wallow now the conversation was honestly between Garrett Wallow and Justin Hilliard that's where the conversation was for me. Uh, both guys have a nose for the football, are strong in the run game, but I do like Garrett's athleticism a little bit more being a converted safety. 
and being better, a little bit better in pass coverage. I think he fits what the Colts would want in a backup Mike or Sam, or even play day one at Sam. Because that's what Garrett Walla played in college. A Mike, now he can come in. He's already going to help day one in the run game. He just he just sees it before his eyes. He sees the play develop. I like his speed, his pursuit on guys. His angles are good on a ball carrier. I like it. Uh, it I also like Josh Ross too, but I do like Garrett Wallow more than those guys. And trust me, that conversation in my head was really close. So we're getting a special teamer and a backup linebacker who will play over, I think, Franklin and Adams potentially, who are mainly special teams guys. Now, I doubled down on edge rusher as well in the sixth round. I honestly don't know he's going to last this long, but he lasted this long in this draft. Shaka Tony. I'm going to grab him. Uh, Obviously, he's a guy that has great athleticism, but he just needs development. Now, my thing with doubling down on edge rushers or even drafting an edge rusher high is actually a thought that I recently developed. If you're drafting a guy high and expecting him to play day one you're interfering with Toure and Banigou's development because I would assume Al-Kadeen Muhammad could possibly get those reps over those two possibly Taekwon Lewis you assume that he can get those reps so if you draft a guy day one you're literally just getting in the way of your own plan to develop Toure and Banigou and then at the end of the year when it doesn't work out for those two you ask yourself well why didn't it work out well we Drafted a guy that took their snaps. That That's a thought that I recently did. But at the end of the day, you got to bring something in. So I took Ellerson Smith, Shaka Tony. And then my last guy is, I think, a fan favorite, maybe. A guy that we talked about with Zach the other day. Jacob Harris. A guy, you know, from UCF. Guy that... Has a frame for a wide receiver, but man, playing the tight end position, he can play like a wide receiver. And the hands, the catch radius, I like it all. I don't mind him being tight end four uh, or even just being on the practice squad while he develops. And that is my mock draft. Um, So I want to make a comment about what you said about reasons not to take edges early. So my thing is if – I mean, if Ebert was just shown that he favors some of the veteran guys over some of these young guys, if you draft an edge early and they take snaps from Toure and Banigou, doesn't shouldn't that tell us more about Toure and Banigou than it does about Eberflus in that sense? Like, if he's all of a sudden willing to play this first or second round guy – um, to me, I think if you if you see a talent that can come in and be better than either, not even both, either side of, of those two, I think you do it. Um, and we'll get into my mock a little bit about that. Um, I'm sure you guys know for a fact who I'm taking um, at Edge anyway. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that afterwards. I'll let Rashad talk a little bit about your end of your mock. Um, you started up your, your mock as a whole. I, I like it. It was a solid, solid draft. You started off kind of shaky with me, though. I ain't gonna lie, but, but but you killed the middle. You killed that the sounds middle. Like, that sounds like every take that Michael's ever had. It, it starts out shaky in the beginning, but then if you give him time to explain it, you don't hate it. Mike, Mike <laughs> let me tell you, Mike is great at explaining pure BS, like nonsense. I could tell he got an A in school. Like when he didn't study for something, but he had to write on it, 
he, he could sell some BS, man. He's selling really well, too. I ain't gonna lie, Mike. That's a great talent of yours. But nah, you killed the middle of this draft, bro. I, I liked it. Like I said, when it first started, I'm like, wait, where's Mike going with this? But as you see it as a whole, you can see the picture that you had and, and you can see the vision that you had planned out in the end process. Because it started off as, okay, he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. But then when you did attack the needs, you got tremendous value out of it. So I, I'm not mad at it at all. I, I actually think if, if Chris Ballard bought that haul, then it would be a successful draft. I'm very high. And like the two guys, I knew you guys would have questions like, where's the edge? Where's the tackle? But I mean, here's the thing about the draft, man. I mean, we don't know until that day who these guys favor over who that's right. That's the thing about it. And we added two playmakers at premium positions and who knows Ballard just might even have these guys over whoever's left at tackle or uh, edge at this time at, at which I drafted them. That's the thing because at ceilings, I like Marshall's ceiling over Jackson Carmen. I, I liked his ceiling over that Adebo. I liked his ceiling possibly over Christensen. I think Adebo's a starter after Rhodes and, Carry leave and with Hudson, I like the development. Yaboa, obviously, I think he can be tight end one. Uh, Harris, the development, I love it. Derek Forrest, man, I think I think that is an amazing pick if he came to the Colts because that's that's beautiful. I I honestly think that I mean again, this is how the board fell, and I'm I'm going with what Ballard says. I'm not forcing anything just because you say we all know it's a need, but I'm not just taking a guy just to take a guy. And that's what I did. Hey, I, I respect it. Um, I wouldn't say that's what I would do. And I probably disagree a little bit on some of the guys that were probably there, but <laughs> we're not going to get into it too much. I mean, but now we'll go on to mine. Um, I thought I would be the guy who traded back the farthest. I was right. Um, so I started it out at 21. Um, I called up the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they're my favorite trade back um, candidate personally. Um, Rashad Bateman was still on the board. Um, the Titans are at 22. They're in need of a receiver with Corey Davis walking. The Ravens have already come out saying they want to either trade up or get a receiver with their, their, their one of their two first round picks. So the Bengals come up because Bateman is such a big named prospect. Um, it ended up netting a little bit more than I think some people are going to say sev- trading back, but 17 picks back um, to 38. So they offered me 38, 69, which is the second and the third. And then I got a 2022 third. Um, so that's, solid. That, that's what I ended up getting out of it to trade back 17 picks. So I traded back 17 spots. I, I thought that I'd be, again, I was pretty positive when I did it that I was going to end up being the guy who traded back the farthest. Um, But we get there at round two, pick 38. A lot of offensive players went in round one um, when I was doing this. So my guy was there, and he's a guy that I'd be willing to take if I traded back in the end of late round one anyway. Um, And Joe Tryon, edge out of Washington, was there. I knew. thought you were going to Ridens. I knew he was going to Tryon. Tryon, I think, is a guy that – has so much upside as a pass rusher. I just think um, he took the year off. So I think a lot of people um, that's, that's really in their head about him a lot. Um, But to me, he's shown on tape that he can rush from a standing position and with his hand in the turf. 
Um, I think he showed a lot of intelligence um, as a pass rusher already. Um, he, he wins reps with pass rush moves already. Um, that's something that rookies usually struggle with a bit going to the next level because at college, your athleticism can usually win you reps. Um, your ability just to out-muscle guys at times can win you reps. But when you get to the NFL, you have to have some intelligence um, as a pass rusher. I think Joe Tryon has that already. Um, and I can let you guys talk about it, or I can just keep on rolling through my picks. I know you guys may have some comments on them. I'm, I'm fine with the pick. I don't have any arguments. Uh, I would take Tryon over Raddins if those two were on the board. Uh, in my mock, uh, Tryon actually went to the Ravens at 31. So that was a bummer for me. Uh, he, I, he was the guy I was targeting. But, yeah, I have no questions about uh, Tryon. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> It's whatever, Rashad. You can be a hater. But at pick, at pick 54 um, in the second round, so the Colts get two picks in the, in the second, um, I didn't trade again in this whole draft. I just liked a lot of the value. Um, I didn't trade back again, I should say. I'll, I'll say a trade later. But um, round two, pick 54, um, Dylan Raddins, um, offensive tackle out of North Dakota State, was there. Um, I wasn't passing on him there. Um, it was either him or Brady Christensen for me at 54. I think Brady Christensen is going to be a guy that goes round two personally. Um, so if Dylan Raddins wasn't there, I would have went Brady Christensen um, for anybody listening, saying that it was unrealistic for Raddins to be there at 54. Um, that's how it fell to me. And I wasn't going to pass on him. He's my guy. Um, I've, I've been very clear on that. Even if Rashad likes to get into Twitter arguments with his sister. Um, I, I think he has the athletic nature that Ballard likes at tackle um, sticking him next to to Quentin Nelson's going to get the most out of him early. Um, I think that's just going to optimize his play style, his skill set. Um, and you have to add at least one senior bowl guy. Um, so I went ahead and grabbed one in the second round for me. So you're fine. You're fine with, but you are fine with taking Dylan in the first round though, right? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be against it if we traded to the end of round one, just because I only have 20 first round grades. So only 20, like there's only going to be legit 20 guys that taken in round one that I actually deem good value. And that's just how the end of round one always works. Like you're not usually going to get great value. So if you're going to take a swing on a second round talent that could end up having that high ceiling, I think you can take the swing in round one. Um, I know some people will argue against it, um, but to me, there's just so little actual first round talents um, that I would, I would honestly not be upset if Tryon or Raddins was the pick in round one. I I probably wouldn't go Raddins in round one if he was going to be available at 54. Like, that's – I can't that, imagine – I would be would, shocked he, if he was actually there at 54. Personally. Honestly, yeah, I would too. He I think be. he's an early second-round guy. Yeah. Like, hey, I, I did two mocks in a row. Raddins was there at 54 in both of them. Um, so I, I went ahead and did it. I mean, there was a lot of skill positions that went in the first round in this mock. Oh, um, yeah. So, like, it just made a lot of guys fall. Um, round three, pick 69. I got that from the Bengals in the earlier trade. Um, I almost didn't take this guy because I can't pronounce his name and I don't want to look like an idiot, but the value is too good. And I've heard from multiple people that the Colts have interest in this guy. Um, so I went cornerback out of Syracuse, Afonte oh. Melofanu. Is that how you say his last name? Melofanu. That was pretty close. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, you you were shocked <laughs> that you I'm were proud, that close. I'm, I'm proud of myself. That was, that was pretty close. I'm not going to lie. I gave myself a pat on my back. But uh, 
I love his game. I do. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of day three, four, I mean, um, late day two for him. So some people may think this is a little early at the top of three for him. Um, I think he's a guy that's going to be able to come in and push rock for that outside spot. And that's what I want. Uh, and I think he's a guy that would have a high enough ceiling to be able to take over for Rhodes if that ends up being the case. Um, I love his aggressiveness at corner. Um, I love his hand usage. I think, I think he's a guy that, you could end up getting day one startership out of and taking that in round three, I think is huge. I like the pick. I like the picks. He's tailor made for, for our scheme for we run on defense. Like he's the ideal. So I can actually see the coach having him as, as maybe a top five, top four corner cornerback, just as far as the way he fits this defense and and the cover two defense. So I'm not mad at that pick at all. I think you actually got great value on a cornerback that can come in and, and compete for a starting spot day one with Rockison and Marvell Tell. People may not agree, but I want to attack corner on day one or two. That's where I want to attack, unless you grab a Rodarius Williams or a Keith Taylor on day three. But I want a guy with true starter value, and he's one of them. Paulson, possibly Tyson. I, I don't know if he fits this defense, but I, I want to address corner early. And like, and like um, Rashad said, the fit in the defense is just so perfect that I, that's why I took him a little bit earlier than some people are saying um, in the later half of round three. This is pretty early in round three in the top eight picks-ish um, of round three. So I, I just love the value personally. Um, so round four, pick 127. We heard this guy from Jim's mock earlier. I took Simi Fooko, receiver from Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, I love his combo of size and speed. Um, I don't think he was used very well at Stanford. Um, even for having an NFL caliber quarterback that's about to get drafted in Mills, I, I just didn't see them use his routes um, like you would expect for somebody his size and speed. Um, I think he's a guy that could come in and maybe play even in the slot at times, in the, in the red zone especially. Um, so it, I, I would love to see him used in a – Great value Chase Claypool kind of role. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think we heard Rashad use his name a little bit earlier. Um, I just think you could get a lot of boom for your buck um, there in round four with him. Um, so my round five pick, some of you may say is a reach, um, but I picked Charles Snowden, linebacker from Virginia. Um, big thing for me with Snowden is I think he can double as an edge or a linebacker. Um, I think he's athletic. Uh, you watch him on tape. He's always moving towards the ball. That screams a Colts linebacker to me personally. He shoots the gap well. I feel like he really finds the open spot. Um, I just love his ability to attack the ball. Um, I think they'll find the best way to use him, whether that's at edge, whether that's at linebacker in an Anthony Walker role. Um, I just think if Ballard had to mold a linebacker trait-wise at least, um, he'd be licking his lips at what Charles Snowden's able to do. I like the pick. I like the pick. I do think it's a little earlier than what I've seen him be slated to go, but but yeah. you never know. It only takes one, man. That's one thing about the draft. It only takes one team to fall in love with you or you to fit their scheme ideally, and, and, and they'll take that risk, man. So I, I I don't hate it. I do think it's a little early, but but like you said, if, if he's – can step into that that Sam type of role. And like you say, he has a lot of the ballot characteristics as far as the things he looked for in his type of linebackers because it's a specific type of, of guy that he wants for that role. Yeah, I mean, it happened last year. 
Ballard took Blackman. No one thought he would do it, and look how it paid off. Yep. And then next up for me at round six, pick 206. I, I really thought I was going to get to go the whole way, and none of you were going to say his name, even though he's a Colts hot commodity right now. And Michael went ahead and slid him in there in his, and that's Jacob Harris, receiver slash tight end out of UCF. Um, there's just a lot of good – there's just a really good fit there for him to be able to slide in tight end. I think he'd be a little bit more of a project. You probably wouldn't see him much in year one. Um, but the, the, if they were able to bring him in, use his skill set, and just beef him up a little bit in, in the run blocking game especially, um, I think he could end up being a really good steal tight end on day three that we're really starting to see. Um, we've already talked about him a little bit, so we can move on to the next one. This is where I did a trade. Um, so this was actually – this – trade idea spawned from a couple of friends that I have that are Eagles fans. They have been offering, they've been saying that this is a trade they want the Eagles to do. So you guys are going to say I got too much, but this trade came from two Eagle fans that I know. So I was trading, I traded Jordan Wilkins pick 248 and a 2022 seventh for pick 224, which is the end of round six. It's like um, one of the last six picks in round six. Um, and Zach Ertz. So, oh. it, and Zach Ertz. Um, as late as later on in the draft gets, it's going to end up being um, a day three pick that they get. So, if all they have to end up doing is sending Zach Ertz, um, they gain a seventh this year, gain an extra pick next year. Um, and there's a lot of people saying that Sirianni actually likes Jordan Wilkins a lot more than people here understand. Um, a lot of Eagles beat writers have been writing about it that Sirianni really liked what he saw from Wilkins and there's is a big need for a true number two running back um, in Philadelphia. They have some pass catching options with Boston Scott and guys like that, but adding a guy like Wilkins that can be that change of pace back right away um, for Miles Sanders, I think would be a little bit more valuable than people think. Um, so hey, didn't they just signed Jordan Howard, I think. Yeah, but hasn't Jordan Howard been out of football for a year and a half? He's not, he's not, he's nowhere near a guarantee to make a roster. Well, I mean, the thing with the running backs is no running back is guaranteed, but it's the running back position. You can come in and play. I mean, hell freaking, uh, what's his name came in and got a hundred yards. Uh, what was his name? Uh, just two seasons ago, Jonathan Williams, Jonathan Williams. Yeah. He came in and got like two 100 yard rushing games. Like two sevens and Jordan Wilkins for Zach Ertz in a six. I can't believe he actually did another deal with Philadelphia. That's what shocked me. So we're getting a great pass catching tight end. And all it cost was Jordan Wilkins in a seventh round pick. Two sevens. That's the great. That is the greatest seventh round pick ever. Oh my it Jesus. Is. That, that is. is the greatest. Like I said, I, I said, you guys would say that I, would get, I was getting too much, but again, two Eagles fans have brought this sort of deal up to me to where they believe that Ertz is going to get traded on draft day, no matter what. Um, and the later well, on it fans. goes, they're not the GM. That's why. <laughs> hey, fan, this... fans, fans usually are even less likely to screw their team over in a trade. I'm just saying, if the Eagles are willing to, Eagles fans are willing to do this. I'm oh, saying it could know. happen. I've seen some but, fans put out trades out there that screwed us. But at, so at round six, pick two twenty four, where I traded up to. This is the last pick, so I ended up with seven picks. Um, I took a guy that you took um just about 40 picks earlier and that's Darius Forrest safety out of Cincinnati um, Darius Forrest Darian Forrest looking I said Darius first of all did I really mess up his first name though yes you did wow that's awkward 
Um, <laughs> hey, that happens. Derek Forrest. Um, I don't know why I had Darius written down on my phone. Um, but a lot of the things you said about um, Derek Forrest, the reason that I've leaned more Forrest uh, than Wiggins, um, that we, as we've gone through the draft process a little bit more, because I know that Forrest has shown the ability to play on special teams. Um, I, I think he's a guy that's going to be able to come in and play that third safety spot. Well, he is a high effort type guy. He never really takes snaps off. Um, he can come right in and play in that George Odom type role as a safety and maybe be a better in coverage than Odom is right yes. away. Much so I, I, so I really do like the feel of Forrest. Um, round six is where I've seen him go most of the time. Um, I would not hate him in round five, um, but he was there for me in round six after the trade up. So that's who I ended up going with to end my mock. I like it. All right. We had some, Crazy mock drafts going on tonight. I mean, oh man, I Jim bringing on like 15 draft picks, uh, <laughs> and then I, I'm very shocked that Destin ended with seven. I highly doubt Chris is going to end the draft with seven picks. I, I highly you, you doubt think it'll that. be more. I think it'll be about nine or ten. My, I, or I, I'm somewhere in the seven to nine realm is where I think if, he ends up. If he if he ends with seven, he had to have gotten a second round pick next year. Now he I did. To. Now I did end with seven this year, and then the twenty twenty two third. Okay, so from Cincinnati. So if they're if they're bad again, probably gonna be that, high. That can that can be a late second almost kind of feel. But but you lost your seventh from next year, right? For the darn. Oh my gosh, the seventh for for Zach Ertz. I'm done with hey, you, man, that can be that can be possible. <laughs> hey, seven seventh round picks matter if you're trying to trade up in the middle rounds. I'm hey, done if, he, if, he, if he doesn't want to play there anymore on draft day, getting those extra kind of picks, it happens all the time, I feel like. I mean, I can look up big trades where big names end up going for day three picks more often than you probably think. And they got two sevens and they had to they just they just traded back like 16 picks. I'm not going to lie, man. I really love the way my draft came out because I think you got playmakers. I think you added depth and potential starters all over the board. I love everyone's fit. Uh, and Jacob Harris is the development part that I, I'm actually very excited about. But I uh, that that's where I'm at, man. So, hey, uh, anything else to close the show? I know it's draft week. This is, I think, our last show um, before the draft, I believe. Yep. We, we recap in the draft night one, though, right? Yep. All right. So who knows? We might be talking about uh, J.C. Horn uh, falling to the Colts. We might be talking about us trading up for Kyle Pitts. You never know. Woo. So, hey, I mean, I, I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else? Nah, man, I just want to say I enjoyed my first show, man, with y'all. Well, yeah, welcome to the Blue Stable, guys. Make sure you're checking out thebluestable.com. Um, as we said earlier, we're super excited to officially be the official Colts podcast of Fan Sided. So make sure you guys go and follow Fan Sided. Go make, go make sure you're following Horseshoe Heroes, um, the Colts website for Fan Sided. Make sure you're giving them that respect. Um, but yeah, super excited for this next couple of weeks. And maybe whoever had the worst mock after we uh, see how the seven rounds ends up, um, we'll make them sing a Mariah Carey verse um, on the next episode. <laughs>
Sounds good. I'm about it. All right. Well, we already know that's going to be Destin. So, (laughs) Uh, Zach Ertz. I said, I don't know. Michael didn't take an edge or tackle till round what four. (laughs) Um, So I'll I'll go go ahead. I have both been vocal about you can find a starter in round four. So you can go ahead and back off. I'm just going to let you know. I'm going to go ahead and pick the verse out for you to sing. All right. Well, I'm going to pick this finger here to point at you when when all my points have come correct for those of you not watching the video it was a thumb (laughs) right yeah it it was a thumb guys you got to keep it g around here so all right guys so that'll wrap it up for this episode uh make sure to catch us draft night uh i mean I, i can't wait i really can't wait man i want jc horn i want kyle pitts Trade all the draft capital up for those two guys. I don't even give a damn. I could, I'll put Rashad in at edge rusher day one. So um, catch us again. End of the first round Thursday night. We will see you the next time we talk. We're going to know what picks we got or who our newest Colt to the Colt family is. So guys, I am Michael Terrazas. That is Rashad McGinnis. And that is uh, another guy. So, (laughs) Hey guys, Destin Adams always got to give love to my brother. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following, guys. And once again, thank you to Fanside to check out Fanside to check out the Blue Stable. We will see you this week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.